Welcome to the Greg Steer Youth Ministry Podcast. I believe in the power of the gospel and the potential of teens. I believe that the best way to get our teens to grow is to get them to go. I encourage you to not only listen to the podcast, rate it, review it, subscribe to it, get the word out about it, because we believe a revolution needs to take place in youth ministry so that every teen everywhere can hear the gospel from a friend. I'm really excited about our guest today, Dave Gibson. Uh, just, I'll give you some te- technical facts. He's the Senior Director of Missions and Evangelism at Grace Church of Eden Prairie, Minnesota, where he has served for over 30 years. He also serves as the U.S. Director of the GO Movement, Global Leadership Team, and Board Chair uh, for the Global Alliance for Church Multiplication. He served as the Vice President, Executive Vice President of Fellowship of Christian Athletes, Executive Director of Mission America, and now he also serves in the leadership of FTT, finishing the task called All, All America, serves on several global and national ministry boards. He's also been a frequent chapel speaker for the University of Minnesota and professional sports teams. Dave and his wife, Wendy, have five children and 11 grandchildren, or is it 12 now, Dave? Just had our 11th last week. 11th last week. I just want to share this. Yeah. Dave is uh, a guy who is one of my best friends on the planet, somebody I talk to almost every day, and I consider him my mentor, the person that pours into me. I want to be like Dave Gibson when I grow up. I know that embarrasses Dave when I say that, but it's true. Dave, thanks so much for being a part of this. Greg, I couldn't think of a better guy to do this with. I'm honored to be with you. It's great. And, uh, you know, it's exciting. We're going through this gospelized series, these seven values of a gospel advancing movement. And I really struggled with where to put you because you fit all the values so well. Mm -hmm. But I decided um, to talk about leaders fully embrace and model it because you fully embrace and model it. But before we dive into that value, um, just remind me, how did we first meet? Where did we first meet? I think the first time I remember meeting you was at a Mission America meeting. I was seconded from Grace Church to be the executive director for a few years, moving into the end of the millennium. I think uh, we had the Lighthouse Movement. I, th- I think I met you at a youth youth leaders meeting. And, yeah, uh, you know what I think it was? You, I think it was the Youth Ministry Executive Council. Yeah. And we were, it may have been my first, year participating in that. Chuck Klein was there and we were doing the uh, kind of uh, trying to get all the campuses covered by the year 2000. So I think you were still with FCA. Were you still with FCA then? Uh, Boy, that would have been over 30 years ago. I don't think so. I I was, I think it was with Mission America at the time, still with Grace, but they seconded me to work with Mission America. And I think that's probably where we connected. But we've known each other a lot of years. We have known each other a lot of years. And I think back to when we did Dare to Share conferences at Grace Church. I think that's really where we kind of got to know each other better. I, I remember uh, you and I and a group of high school kids after a, the Friday night of a Dare to Share event sitting at a Ruby Tuesdays. And you had been pouring into these kids already, been on mission trip with them. But it was after that conference where you really started leaning into them about these My Story events. Just spend a few minutes talking about what happened as a result 
what the My Story events were and what happened as a result of them. Well, we had a, at Eden Prairie High School, one of the largest schools in the state. They were perennial state champions in football. One of the captains on the football team came on a missions trip with us. He went on a number of missions trips that previous year. A number of kids came back, uh, just totally sold out for Jesus and uh, started to get together to talk about how can we reach our campus for Christ. And uh, we developed a strategy to have every single student on the Eden Prairie campus prayed for by name, pray for every locker, every student, and then started doing affinity group evangelism. We taught them the G-O-S-P-E-L, how to share their story, how to share the gospel, gospel fluency. And uh, we did a lot of affinity group evangelism was happening on football, the football team, uh, girls volleyball and and uh, track, soccer, the band, the, throughout the whole school, the, the gospel is starting to penetrate. Then we put the, had an idea, how could we really leave a mark on this campus that's impossible to erase? And uh, ask these kids to really think about how can we reach as many of these kids for Jesus as possible? That's where we, we birthed this idea of a my story, something that I kind of did back in my college days, where we tried to have every person on campus exposed to the gospel. We had over half, well, we had about 600 or, oh, I think it's closer to 900 students came. Had 92 kids got saved that night, but kids, uh, we had students sharing their testimony. This is my story. What's your story? And then we got up and we had a, the gospel acronym up on the platform and we covered each one of the points of the gospel, and presented the gospel and the kids just came unglued. And uh, we ended up scaling that to seven other campuses here in the Twin Cities. It really has become, that was really a, one of those defining moments. And, and I know the Lord used you, Greg, during that, that period. Well, it was so fun to be in that meeting where you guys were really strategizing. They, you know, they just got done with the Dare to Share conference. So everybody was pumped right. up and, and, you know, it's interesting because you, you're not the youth leader. You're the missions pastor there. But, um, you know, we define a youth leader as anybody who leads youth. And although right. you're the missions pastor, I have tremendous global influence. I've never met anybody with more global influence. You have a heart for the next generation. And I know this is in our questions, but why why do you have such a heart for teenagers? Well, I... Uh... I was one of them. That's when I came to Christ when I was a teenager, 17 years old. And the Lord radically interrupted my life through a death of a good buddy of mine, committed suicide. He was a teammate and uh, trusted Christ when I was a senior in high school. And I just saw how important those days were. I was captain in all three of my sports, dating the homecoming queen, kind of an arrogant young guy. And, and uh, that my friend's suicide really got, got my attention. And uh, that's where I was so impressionable at that age. And, and then I coached, uh, I, we had five kids of our own. So one of the ways to really stay connected to my kids, I was a, a coach in the Eden Prairie football, basketball, and baseball system. And so I got, got to know a lot of the kids. Uh, we had the, the athletes praying at midfield uh, after games and did chapel programs and we'd have weekend tournaments. So I just really... My FCA days, I think I really developed a real heart for students. When I got saved, I love sports and I love the Lord, and I got to combine the two and eventually got paid to do it. 
was a state director for FCA for a number of years and then moved to Kansas City. So I really worked in sports ministry and youth ministry for a lot of years. So my, my heart was just stirred and I knew that was really the most strategic way to reach the world for Christ was reaching this next generation. Yeah, I love that. And yeah. the, so we, we think about this, this principle, you know, we talk, we've already talked about intercessory prayer fuels it. Uh, we had, you know, Kathy Branzell on, um, we talked about relational evangelism drives it. Uh, we had Mercy Alarid on with Pray for All. Um, and leaders fully embrace and model it. So why is it so important that that pastors, missions pastors, lead pastors, youth pastors, moms and dads fully embrace and model this uh, gospel-advancing lifestyle for the next generation? Well, I think it's uh, Jesus modeled it himself. You know, you look at the pattern of his life in the Gospels, uh, he would do it, and then his disciples would watch. You look at Matthew 1 through 9, basically Jesus is calling out his disciples, and he's uh, selecting the, the 12, and he's basically doing all the ministry himself. He's modeling it. And then Matthew 9, 35 to 38 is kind of a transition where he's going to send them out and send them out to go public is the harvest is plentiful, workers are few, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers, and then they ended up becoming the answer to their own prayers, sends them out in uh, Matthew chapter uh, 10 there, or uh, in the ne in the next, uh, next chapter, uh, yeah, chapter 10, verse 2, I think it is. But I think... Uh, you look at the life of Jesus, he would do it and they would watch and then uh, they would do it, he would help. And uh, eventually he, he trained them and modeled it to where they could eventually go out and do the ministry themselves. I think that's really critical in the church too. And Paul says, uh, be a follower of me as I am of Christ. So that whole idea of modeling and mentoring is really critical. And it's uh, the discipleship model, the things that you've heard and you've seen in me, these entrust the faithful men. They'll go out and teach others also. So I found in the local church, you know, the, it's an old saying, the sheep will follow uh, where the shepherds are leading. So it's really critical that the shepherds are leading in, in modeling it and embracing uh, that lifestyle of evangelism. So good, Dave. And, and I think one of, the, one of the challenges is, I think we have a lot of youth pastors and pastors uh, across the United States and sadly around the world as well, that aren't modeling a gospel advancing lifestyle. They may tie it into a sermon or to a talk, but they're not necessarily reaching out to their neighbors, you know, family, friends, strangers with the hope of Christ. And I always tell youth leaders, if your students share the gospel as consistently as you did, would your city be reached for Christ by now? Mm. And it's, it's not, you know, it's a challenge, I think, for a, lot, for a lot of youth leaders to live that out. One of the things I really appreciate about you, Dave, is that more than anybody else I know, and I know a lot of people in this world of evangelism, uh, I know of nobody who's more faithful and consistent in living a gospel-advancing lifestyle. You are a legend among key leaders 
who tell me stories and I share stories. Like I was with Dave at a restaurant <laughs> and he began to share the gospel with the server, but he said, you know what? My friend Joe over here has got a transformational story about his life was deeply impacted. Joe, why don't you not only share the gospel, you equip, you not only fish for men, you, you equip fishermen uh, to do yeah. that. And so it's so important. So let, let's just kind of dive into you know, how did evangelism and prayer for the lost and living this gospel advancing lifestyle, what are some of the things that you do to make that a part of the way that you live and breathe? Not just something you do once a month or when you go out, you know, witnessing, sharing the gospel, but as part of the way that you live and breathe. How did you develop this gospel advancing lifestyle? Well, I think it happened the first year after I got saved. I went off to college. I was on a football team with about 100 guys, and I was feeling like the voice crying in the wilderness. I, there wasn't much of a, a presence of the Lord on the team. Really struggled with my lifestyle. The Lord took me through a period of real brokenness, suffered a knee injury, uh, had a surgery. And I, I remember getting you know, drunk and getting in a fight with a few guys on a weekend and I was about as low as a snake's belly just really through a period of brokenness I got on my dorm room the state director of the fellowship of Christian athletes picked me up hitchhiking he knew that I was a Christian he had done some football uh, chapels for our football team and he challenged me he said Dave are you gonna make your life count for Christ on campus and I said man Ron I don't even know if I'm a Christian the way I'm living and uh that, that challenge really, it was a defining moment for me. I said, Lord, what am I going to do with my life? And I went, I got on my face on my dorm room, just cried out to God. I said, Lord, here's my life, the mess that it's in. If you can do something with it, it's all yours. The Lord gave me two desires. He gave me a desire for his word. And then I couldn't stop talking about Jesus. I Nobody taught me how to witness. Nobody taught me G-O-S-P-E-L or anything like that. But I just couldn't stop talking about Christ. And uh, I say evangelism 101 in the early church, it's uh, just take your hand away from their mouth. Instead, we said we can't stop talking about that which we've seen and we've heard. I had such a radical uh, filling of the Holy Spirit. I, I, you know, the Lord just really overwhelmed me and I, I just uh, started sharing Christ with everybody. And I, I think the Lord hardwired me that way, but I think through that time of brokenness, I read a, another thing that was a real defining moment for me. I read a, a, a autobiography by John Praying Hyde. Uh, how would you like to be known as Greg Praying Steer or Dave Praying Gibson? I wish I was known for that, but he prayed so much for souls. 1908, he prayed for one soul a day to come to Christ. He was a missionary in, in India. The Lord gave him 400 converts that year. And then the next year he prayed for two, two souls a day. And the Lord answered that prayer. And then four souls a day in 1910, four people to come to, to come to Christ, not just to share Christ with that many people. And just, uh, I said, boy, how much do I really trust the Lord? Could I ask the Lord for one opportunity a day? And uh, that's when I started years and years ago, praying for one opportunity every day to go after that one lost sheep. And I think that's a prayer that the Lord loves to answer. So I encourage people to pray for Bob Every day, I, I call it, it's just a simple little acronym. I say, Lord, give me a burden for the lost. 
Romans 9, Paul says, I have deep anguish in my soul for my countrymen. I think we've lost that burden in the church that uh, Jesus saw the multitudes moved with compassion. Then pray for open doors. Colossians 4, 3, Paul says, pray for me that God will open up a door for the ministry of the word that I can speak forth the mystery of Christ. I was driving over to Hopkins Honda just a couple days ago to get my car tuned up. I get the oil change and I was praying the whole way over. I said, Lord, open up a door for the ministry of the word. And uh, I talked to uh, uh, Landon and uh, Justin, two guys. I said, hey, you guys have a few minutes. They said, yeah, we're working till four. You got as much time as you want. I said, can I share my story with you? They said, we'd love to hear it. Shared my testimony, went through G-O-S-B-E-L with them, shared the gospel with them. I said, you guys have a story like that? I said, no, we don't. I mean, they're just within a whisker of praying to receive Jesus. But every day, praying for those open doors. And then the third uh, is pray for boldness. So pray for a burden for the lost, open doors for the gospel, and boldness to share. Paul in uh, Ephesians 6, 19 says, pray for me that whenever I open my mouth, words will be given to me that I can fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. And I boldly proclaim it as I should. Just a little practical thing but yeah, the Lord just gave me that. It's like the, it's like been, the, it's like the movie. What about Bob? Now we got to be, yeah. we're praying for burden, opportunity and boldness. And boldness. I love that. Yeah. Remember that if you don't get anything out of the podcast, it's a good thing to apply to your life, but I've been doing it for yeah. years. And sometimes it's three or four when I'm up traveling on a mission trip, I've had eight to 10 conversations. You know, I, I think we've got to get this idea of, of sharing Christ, not treating it like an event or I'm going to go out on a witnessing team. You don't go and witness. You witness as you go. And uh, in Matthew, in Jesus, when he gives the commission, he says, as you are going, make disciples. That's really what that passage is. Jesus was touching people everywhere he went. I look at the first lost, you know, people say, well, find that person of peace. I look for the first lost person each day that I, I can engage in a meaningful conversation with and try to move it from the secular to the spiritual, move it and build a bridge from my heart to their heart that Jesus could walk across and uh, touch their life. And I look them at, at them as a person, a potential person of peace. They're receptive to the message, messenger and receptive to the message. Uh, I, I see that's a person of peace. And if they aren't, I just dust off the feet and say, God bless you. Have a great day. I'm not into buttonholing evangelism. I don't, I don't think that's a good approach. I think you need to, I try to get to know their story, build a little redemptive bridge. I can do that in a five minute conversation at checking out at Home Depot or, or, or wherever. So Dave, I'm telling you, you just are the great balance of the lion and the lamb (laughs) relational and the relentless. And I've never seen anybody, you're, you know, do it more effectively, relationally, lovingly, but clearly, you know, at Dare to Share, we use the, the idea of ask, admire, admit, and, you know, asking questions, admiring what you can, admitting your story and how you need Jesus. And you do that so naturally uh, in everyday conversation. So I appreciate the, the leadership you bring to that. Let's talk a little bit about um, roadblocks because... <laughs> What do you think, you know, typical pastor, youth pastor, uh, you know, Christian adult, you know, how, what are some of the roadblocks for them to fully embrace and model this gospel advancing lifestyle? Because 
like you said, the sheep are going to go where the shepherd leads. But oftentimes, you know, these teenagers uh, are in a youth ministry setting where they're not seeing their youth leader or people in a church setting where they're not seeing their pastor uh, do this as part of their lifestyle. So what, what are some of the roadblocks that keep pastors and youth leaders from effectively living this out? Well, I, I think we're churning out people out of our seminaries and Bible schools or Christian schools that aren't, aren't equipped to be sharing the gospel and aren't expected to be sharing the gospel. I don't think a seminary student should graduate from seminary if they haven't led someone to Christ or they haven't planted a church. And we're doing that all around the world with our church planter training and our, they have to share Christ with at least five people every week. And uh, if they don't lead two people to Christ before they go through disciples making disciples, we don't, they don't, we don't let them continue on into the training. I think it's obedience-based discipleship. When I think they aren't being equipped and trained uh, in those earlier years and they're coming out of churches. That's why I think what Dare to Share is doing is just so critically important. And these seven gospel advancing values, you don't build a church on programs, you build it on values. And uh, in creating a culture, it's gotta be the air that we breathe. And uh, then programs become opportunities for expression of those values. So, that, so I think uh, leaders have to really embrace that and they have to model it and then it has to become systemic. And uh, it, it, I think one of the biggest roadblocks to the gospel is within the church. And it uh, yeah. comes from leaders in the church. And I love the church, I'm a part of it. I'm a churchman, so I'm not, you know, criticizing something Jesus said he was going to build. And I, I love his bride at the church, but we've got a lot of challenges there. You know, if we push back a little bit, you know, Dave, you have strip mind, dare to share of, <laughs> you know, seven values, gospel, kind of merge it with some of your own cool stuff, Bob. And I've, I've stripped mine from you and merged it into dare to share stuff. But how applicable is are these principles? And you've been telling me this for years. How applicable are these principles and these tools, the, you know, the acrostic and the seven values and the training uh, globally, as well as throughout the whole church and not just youth ministry? That's a little of a side note, but I think it'd be good for people to hear from you because you do a lot of church planning and work with a lot of major church planning ministries around the world. Yeah, it's the best thing going out there. It's, uh, it, I'd say dare to share the DNA of dare, dare to share has permeated the DNA of grace church. We're trying to get it more permeated in certain areas of our church. And some of that's a leadership function. Uh, if you don't have certain leaders and that comes back to that value of the leader really fully embracing and modeling it, but it's radically affected everything we do. That's our, I was teaching a class yesterday in the church and they've got to come back next week with the gospel outline memorized. I had them going through G-O-S-P-E-L. I've done that in Vietnam. I've done that in Africa. I've done it in the Middle East. We're in 51 countries, 131 missionaries. And it's, uh, I've used D, uh, Dare to Share. This is a, just a commercial for Dare to Share, but it, it's just, I'm, I'm eternally grateful for the ministry because it's also, uh, yeah, I was telling you, I use so much of what you've taught, Greg, you know, you got to get the steak right. You know, the platter could vary, but you've got to get that 
that gospel piece is so important. And, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's really been amazing how the Lord has used that. Uh, and I, well, so I, I love it I, to hear it in other languages too. I've got, we've got it in seven languages and I know you've got it in other languages too, that we're, we're trying to teach people all the gospel principles and, and we're on this journey together to try to reach a billion teenagers and, uh, train a, a million uh, to to train 10 million to reach a billion. So I, we're yeah, a lockstep million gospel on all advance, that, so. Yeah, million gospel advancing leaders to mobilize 10 million teens to reach a billion. And yeah. uh, it's exciting, Dave, because, uh, you know, I look at Grace Church and just preached up there just over a week ago. And, you know, Troy is this theologian, par excellence, great expositor. You're the, you know, evangelism guy. And between the two of you, it's like a, it's like a double barrel shotgun of theology and evangelism. And what a blessed church that is to have such a deep and wide kind of, uh, you know, opportunity there in, in uh, Eden Prairie. Um, as we talk about uh, just the vision globally, it's used to tell me something because for years we were primarily focused on the United States. You were using our stuff globally. Uh, but for years, you were giving me a hard time and saying, Greg, it's a big world out there. And you had a specific thing that you would relentlessly bring up to me that became a pebble in the shoe of my soul. <laughs> um, you remember what you used to say? Yeah. Well, if you have a heart for your own city, you've got probably less than 1% of God's heart for the world. If you only have a heart for America, you've got about 5% of God's heart for the world. God has a heart for the world and for God so loved the world. And there's a huge population of youth. And should the gospel be preached twice until it's been preached once? There's so many who've never heard. It's a matter of access. You know, we have so much access to the gospel. So I have a huge heart for America. We just need to, evangelism is the responsibility of every believer. And we're, we clearly need to be reaching people for Jesus here. But. I, I just thought you had the best kept secret out there and that wasn't being shared around the world. Now it's starting to get scaled globally, which I'm really excited about. Well, I'm so grateful that you, you know, it was like <laughs> a, the pebble in my shoe. I'm so grateful for that because uh, yeah. God now has used that in the global. God has opened it up phenomenal doors and many of those doors, God has used you uh, to open up those doors. So it's exciting stuff. Um, I do want to bring in our youth leader. Again, we call this the Greg, Greg Steer Youth Ministry Podcast. And so I always actually try to have uh, real youth leaders that are there to interact with our guests. And we're going to be bringing in Doug Henry. Doug has been a bivocational ministry leader for 12 years with eight of those in youth ministry. He's currently the student pastor at Missions, a Mission Southern Baptist Church in Washburn, Missouri. 26 years in law enforcement, chief detective. He still is the chief detective at the Barry County Sheriff's Office. Uh, and uh, he's been married to his wife, Mandy, for 18 years. His two children, Laura Jean and Joe Wade. And Doug, thanks so much for being a part of the podcast. And I just want to open it up for you to connect with uh, Dave. Any questions, comments, thoughts? And I'll let you guys take it from here. Um, you know, kind of being sitting with both of you guys, I've got to talk with you both before, um, just a huge, uh, fan of both of you, of course, of what you do, 
uh, with leaders and, and discipleship and evangelism. And so um, for, I guess my question for for Dave on my on my bivocational scale, because we make up 85% of youth leaders across America, how do or what best practices could you uh, give me to be able to get the Bible guy down the road from me or gal to go all in because um, I, I love what Chris Stout said last year at the at the Gospel Advancing Summit uh, that a lot of, of churches are gospel centered but they're not gospel advancing and so they think since they're giving the gospel from inside that classroom there or that pulpit that they are gospel advancing but in reality they're just gospel centered uh, so. Any advice to me uh, trying to network, get these other leaders to grab a hold of of being that leader who models this for their their teenagers? You know, uh, I always say relationships precede partnerships. You want to build, you know, some relationships of trust with them. That's where I'd begin. Get to know them and find out what's in their heart. But I would, uh, I'd challenge them and say, you know, I, put put it out there and uh i i really like to present a challenge to people about you know the the lostness of people and the especially in the the younger generation are we gonna they're going to hell in a handbasket what are we doing about it and uh i think uh you know people Sometimes I look at it as like having a dog who's got a bone in his mouth. You, you try to take a bone out of the mouth, you're going to have a fight on your hands because people are kind of wed to their own stuff and they, they want that old bone. But I think if you could put a juicier bone on the side with a little meat on it and say, hey, they, they might be willing to drop that old one. And I think to present a compelling uh, vision, lead by example, talk about the impact that uh, you're having, the Lord is doing through you. And, and then uh, partner in the ministry, ask for, for uh, ways that you can link arms and uh, come alongside those, those people. And I, I think it takes guys like you who are going to be catalytic to help make that happen. So I, I guess those would be a few ideas that, uh, um, you know, you, you, I, I, I also tend to be go of the goers, you know, I, there's a lot of people that just want to play church out there, and I'm just not into that. And when I left FCA, I, I told our senior pastor I didn't want to come and play church. But to find out the ones who are really re ready to go and uh, have a passion, and I tend to gravitate to those individuals. And it's easier to hold back fanatics than to try to raise people from the dead. You know, you got uh, so there's there's some people I'd, I'd try to find the, those warm prospects out there and go with them. Well, that's where I got really fortunate. Um, I remember um, Chris Selby is the guy that got me plugged into Dare to Share Ministries. And, and so right when I got into youth ministry, uh, just, I mean, been in it for a little while, was the first uh, Dare to Share Live that happened. And they put all this stuff in my face at this Dare to Share Live event that was good and said, now go knock on doors. And I'm going to tell you, it, it wasn't a big trick for me because I'm used to knocking on people's doors and having them slam it in my face or run out the back door. Uh, so it wasn't really a big deal to me, but, uh, you know, I, I try to invest this into a lot of the local leaders like our Go Share Day, uh, Dare to Share Live, stuff like that. And I know that it's it's intimidating uh, to go out and talk to people and to have those conversations. And I think um, how much how much in-house practice do you think would get uh, a lot of these uh, leaders to 
actually be able to go function and do those things. You know, I, I, I like to lead by example. So I, I'll take somebody out to lunch and I'll just interact with a, a server and I'll just let them see me, how I live my life and uh, praying for servers, sharing with servers, or I'll say, hey, let's go take an Uber ride together. And, and uh, I think if they, they see you lead by example, that really helps. Sure. Uh, and I, I like to uh, also put people on the spot. I call it put people, put them on the spot evangelism. When you're, you're out in a public setting, you might want to call on them and say, hey, you know, Greg or Doug's got a great story. Mind if he shares yeah. that with you? <laughs> right. But I you know, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I, I think it, it, it helps to come alongside people in ministry and, uh, and, and I, you know, we talk about leadership, they, they, we fully embrace and model it. I think it begins with us too. And if they can mm -hmm. see that we're uh, leading by example, lead by example, personally lead by example in your ministry, let them come and see your ministry, be a part of it, come alongside to help them in their ministry and say, is there anything we could do to bring a towel and a basin to serve you and, and help make you more successful. Then I would start, uh, infiltrating them with the seven values. Uh, here's how we gospelized our ministry. And it's right out of the book of Acts. And I'd start playing that playbook about prayer has to fuel it. And uh, evangelism really has to drive it. Relent, I like to call it relentless relational evangelism. And leaders fully embracing and modeling it and discipleship. You know, the, the seven values, I'd strike to encourage them to start uh, infiltrating their ministry with that sure. and then teach them some good methodology. I'd, I'd take them to the gospel app and uh, life in six words. And those are some great tools. And I'd start integrating the dare to share stuff mm -hmm. and uh, you can show them how it works in your ministry and how it can be effective in theirs. I think one of the things that helped us uh, this week, we had uh, uh, baccalaureate services are coming up for our seniors and they, uh, the, the seniors got to, uh, write down, you know, which translation of the Bible they wanted to receive. They got to write down, uh, which church they were affiliated with. And just to back up the stats, um, they, there was over 85% of that class had no church affiliation whatsoever. And so that was something that I was able to use with the youth leaders that were in the room and say, look, Here's what I've been talking about. This is why it's so important for us to take this and go out with it. And I said, I'm not trying to, to tell you that I'm right and you're wrong, um, that we've been doing it better. Cause I think that's a fine line. I've got to walk with, with these other leaders that I'm not right. trying to come across as we're doing it better, but we're just doing it and we want to do it with you. Um, and it's, and we run into a lot of the, my church against your church mentality. Uh, so that's uh, a wall that we have to break down. Uh, any, any advice on that? I mean, how to get that so I can get these leaders to start embracing it. I just taught, uh, I was, I'm a spiritual coach for the Northland FCA, uh, leadership team, all the state directors in the five state area and the regional director. But I, I was talking about how to win friends and influence people, take a genuine interest in others. I used a little Dale Carnegie, uh, talk in terms of their interests. Uh, smile, use their name, talk in terms of their interests. I, I would just find out what their interests are. I'd really try to come with a servant's heart, and, you know, just say, hey, I want to 
help make you successful, anything we can do. And uh, they don't really care about our program so much. They care about their program. And uh, talk in terms of their interests, so find out what they're interested in and then try to help them be successful. And uh, it, I don't know if there's any magic to it, but uh, I, I do think uh, just if you come with that posture of humility and, and a servant's heart, I know you do, Doug. So not that, and I know there's always this, uh, this little tension with, that you have when you have other ministries or other churches involved that there, uh, there's a resistance sometimes to change and embracing somebody else's methodology or vision. Sure. Okay. You know, uh, I think the other thing is, you know, and you'll know this, Doug, with your military background, the necessity of an enemy, that the enemy is not each other, and the enemy is Satan, and that, mm -hmm. you know, collectively we want to steal from the largest youth group in town and help each other's youth groups grow. And I think once youth leaders really believe that's your heart, then they, you know, they're not competing with you anymore. They're like, okay, we're, we're, we're you know, we're competing alongside you. Mm -hmm against satan and we're doing this together and and praying those strongholds down because there's there are strongholds in the church um so thanks so much you guys i i i do want to just spend just a, a few minutes at the end talking to you david and i know doug's been a part of go share days you know last saturday of every month he's one of those groups that takes their kids out sharing the gospel we have groups around the world that actually came out of the go movement uh, which is a big initiative, uh, the last Saturday of May, where, you know, I'll let you talk about it, but people from around the world are going out and sharing the gospel. Uh, we were part of the youth task force that's there to share. And we said, hey, what if we did it the last Saturday of every month? Uh, because uh, we could, you know, just tap the merry-go-round the last Saturday of every month, getting students going out to share the gospel. But just uh, spend a little bit of time, Doug, just a few minutes talking about the GO movement, how youth leaders can be a part of it. Uh, because we need to get the North America uh, rocking. It's blowing up around the world, but North yeah. America is a little slow to the table. So talk a little bit about Go Movement. Yeah, it's uh, it's in 130 countries now. It came alongside the Global Day of Prayer. Uh, Graham Power out of South Africa had 200 million Christians praying on Pentecost weekend, on Pentecost Sunday. And Werner Nachtigel from uh, Germany, it's just like the Lord to raise up a guy, he can't even pronounce his name, out of Germany to come alongside. He's a flaming evangelist, just like you, Greg, and I know you know Werner. But uh, He's a former this, rock star, too. Yeah, German rock star, punk uh, rocker or whatever. Yeah, total, <laughs> he's awesome. Total uh, bandit came to Christ and a flaming personal evangelist, and I think the Lord has raised this guy up. He talked to Graham Power. They said, let's combine prayer and evangelism so they, so let's have a global outreach day. So one day out of the year where the whole body of Christ would come together and go out and share Jesus. That's grown to over 130 countries now. And they estimated between 60 and 80 million somewhere in there last year, believers were mobilized. The goal this year is to have 120 million uh, uh, believers around the world. You have big groups like WA, World Evangelical Alliance, and uh, Campus Crusade, Steve Douglas, a lot of notable names and ministries that are tying into it. Empower 21, Billion Soul Harvest. The whole vision is every believer a witness. 
Every believer is a witness for Jesus Christ. We say everyone can reach someone and together we can reach the world. So we're not asking people to join a program or an event, but to say, could you live a Jesus lifestyle? It grew from a global outreach day to a global outreach month. Basically that window between Easter and Pentecost, Easter, the best news on the planet in Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came and, and uh, sorry about that. And uh, so we're trying to mobilize an army, and Greg is co-chairing the youth task force with Nader Maurice out of Cairo, Egypt. He has 50 million young people in his whole global network with GKPN. I mean, it's massive. And uh, World Evangelical Alliance, 600 million members, Colin Piper heading up their youth track uh, task force. Greg is chairing it along with Nader, and we're trying to through just the youth track, eventually raise up a, a million leaders who will train 10 million uh, youth who will reach a billion teenagers for Jesus Christ. So, on the, so I'm pretty excited about it. We want everybody to be involved. You don't have to, uh, you can go to uh, uh, gomovement.world or gomovement.usa and uh, get information on how you can get involved. But uh, it's... Uh, I'd use all the dare to share training that you've got and whatever training we're saying, do it your way. And uh, let's get a, we say everyone can reach someone and together we can reach the world. And it's uh, pretty exciting stuff. It's, and we've got a one a day challenge too for uh, people that are hardy. And we say one a day in May, could you ask the Lord to give you one person a day in the whole month of May? Takes 21 days to form a habit. And the uh, best habit you'll ever form is reading the Word every day, but then going out and sharing Jesus Christ with someone every day. Love it. Love it. So what's the U.S. website, too, for the Go Movement? GoMovement.USA. Uh, and uh, okay. in the, then it's uh, go, GoMovement.globe for the, for the global site. Yeah. So I encourage youth leaders to go to gomovement.usa or gomovement.globe and be a part of this Go Movement. Again, last Saturday of every month, you can you don't need to wait till May uh, or one a day in May or one a day every day and uh, yeah. just be a yeah. part of this. So yeah. Dave, thank you uh, for being like a, the person that disciples me and hmm. I, I love you like a you know, Jonathan and David together here. And uh, so grateful for your friendship and for your example of my life. Doug, thank you for grinding it out as a BIVO youth leader, doing whatever it takes to reach every teen everywhere in Missouri, Washburn, Missouri. And so uh, youth leaders, thank you so much for tuning in and being part of this. I encourage you again, subscribe, get the word out, social media, Spread the word. It's time for a revolution in youth ministry. Remember that a thriving youth ministry is a gospel advancing one. Thanks for tuning in.